0: And more and more, like people think, okay, if I raise money, then I'm successful, uh, which is definitely not the case, right?
1: LP Maurice is one of the most active entrepreneurs in the Canada startup community. He is passionate about leading teams that create products which solve problems and challenge the status quo. L.P. has already worked in Silicon Valley, earned a degree from Harvard, founded a startup at age 16, and spoke at TEDx. He's also the co-founder of BuzzBud, the Buzz travel booking website with the largest coverage in the world. In this podcast, he shares everything that he learned from the startup ecosystem from the challenges he faced while starting his own.
0: Hey, everyone. Um, so, hey, thanks for coming. It's really cool to see everyone here. I'm a huge fan of Le LeVagon. Uh, Marie-Gabrielle knows I've been here the last uh, two years, I think, uh, just doing the, uh, the diploma ceremony. So that's always a lot of fun. So it's really cool to just kind of see the new cohort. Uh, so I'm LPU, the co-founder of Busbud. So Busbud's a uh, tech startup, which is actually uh, based right next door in the other building. Uh, so our offices are about one minute elevator ride down and uh, walk over here. And uh, so we're for those of you who don't know what we do, we're like a marketplace uh, for bus tickets, it's for inner city bus tickets in particular. So if you're, for example, going to Montreal to New York, or Paris to London, or Rio to Sao Paulo, really like any kind of combination of, of two cities in the world, uh, we can help you buy that bus ticket uh, easier. Uh, so that's pretty much what we do. Uh, today, we have about 35 employees, uh, based all here in, in the mile end, except for one or two people that are sort of globetroding. Um, and the product works in 75 countries, uh, about 1.4 million routes. Uh, so it really is, is is sort of something that can be a, a huge sort of uh, help to kind of travelers around the world if they want to kind of go from one city to the other. Uh, so it started from this uh, really kind of basic idea that came from a trip that I was uh, I was doing in South America um, almost six years ago now. Uh, so I was backpacking. Uh, I don't know if anyone, anyone likes backpacking here. Woo! Everyone, yes. Who doesn't like backpacking? Raise your hand. OK. Everyone likes backpacking. So yeah, so we were having fun and uh, taking uh, buses everywhere uh, across Latin America. And, um, and basically, I took like 30 buses. And I realized, wow, this is like so complicated to book bus tickets. Like booking a flight was like 10 seconds. Booking like a hotel was like 30 seconds. Everything was like, super easy. Uh, but buses were kind of complicated. So that's pretty much where I got the idea. And then kind of went back to Montreal and uh, met, met with my two uh, two co-founders. Uh, so they're both technical. Um, one would uh, one had worked for Microsoft for about ten years, uh, building uh, kind of. Backend uh, technology for different uh, kind of properties at Microsoft, like uh, Bing.com and MSN and Live and all sorts of kind of properties like that. Um, so he was sort of a more of a search guy. Uh, and the other uh, of my co-founders, uh, Fred, had a, um, a PhD in um, sort of statistics and machine learning. Uh, and this was like before sort of machine learning and AI was sort of like super cool. So he had like he was he was like really. Uh, really kind of there before sort of the beginning of the, I guess, the the scale-up of of the movement which has become AI in Canada now. Uh, So yeah, both of those guys uh, were really strategic. One was a search guy, the other one was a data guy. Uh, So both of them essentially were useful because we were trying to build a search engine for bus data. Uh, So both of them happened to be friends of mine for more than 20 years. Uh, So we sort of grown up together. And um, together, we sort of started just creating the product. And I could talk a little about that later if you want. But uh, today, we've sort of scaled to the um, to the, the, the sort of team size I mentioned uh, um, uh, earlier. But obviously, there was like always some road bumps along the way, sort of learning how to build a business, learning how to sort of build a product. Uh, we could talk about that as well, sort of the lessons learned along the way. Uh, we've raised about $25 million uh, to date in the last kind of five years. Actually, in the last like three or four years. Um, so we started in 2013, we raised a $1 million sort of seed round. And uh, the following year, in 2014, we raised $9 million uh, and then recently, maybe you guys saw the announcement last week in TechCrunch. We raised uh, 14 million uh, to really kind of scale out the platform worldwide. Uh, and there's a lot of people who use it, sort of on a monthly basis. Maybe uh, somewhere around three million people would use it, uh, kind of search and uh, kind of for bus data and then book their tickets. Uh, so we're basically kind of really happy to help travelers. So it's a great product for travelers because it saves them a lot of time instead sort of going to a bunch of different websites. Um, and also, it's kind of good for uh, society, because you're putting people in buses and sort of collective transport rather than having everyone taking their cars to go wherever they want to go. So you're essentially polluting less. So that's sort of what really gets us excited about doing this sort of every day. Is just kind of not only is, is it fun to sort of build a business with your friends, but it's also fun to sort of contribute to, to being pe- putting people in, uh, in, in buses rather than in cars.
1: Okay, so maybe you can tell us a bit more about your business model. How did you, do, did you find this business model? And uh, did you already had this business model before raising some, some funds? Or
0: Yeah, so when we started, um, we didn't really know that we were in a startup. Uh, which is really weird. Like today, like everyone knows what a startup is, but like six or seven years ago, we were just like three guys like in an apartment with like a dog and like a plant, and like that was like our life. Uh, we didn't realize that we could raise money for our company. That wasn't something that we we weren't really plugged into sort of the VC ecosystem. Um, arguably, there wasn't really a sort of very established or developed ecosystem. So all of you guys are lucky if you have a great idea. Like really quickly, you can get it funded if you have a great idea and great co-founders and, and some traction. Uh, so that didn't really exist. Uh, so, our business model, uh, the way we thought about it, uh, sort of midway through the company, which is still the model we have today, is to have a commission or like a, a, we call it like a take rate that we have on every ticket that we sell. So, essentially, every time we sell a ticket, the bus operator, like a company like Greyhound or Orlean Express or like any of these kind of types of companies, like coach companies, they would pay us a certain percentage on the ticket. So, it could be Uh, You know, anywhere from like zero percent. It's not zero percent. It's like more like five percent, all the way to like twenty-five percent. And it really depends on on the operator where they are, um, and you know, sort of the the dynamics in that market, and all sorts of other things based on volumes. It's kind of pretty complicated. uh, But really, like everyone sort of pays us a certain commission uh, based on sort of the effort that we do, which is kind of to kind of send travelers to them, uh, and to send sort of international travelers and new travelers that they don't already serve. So that was sort of the business model um, that we. have today, uh, so it's really kind of a win-win thing because sort of we fill their seats, they're happy, uh, and we make money. So it's sort of win-win on both ends. Um, but it took us a while to sort of get to that, and we could talk about sort of how we got there. But it was pretty, pretty uh, laborious process. Like, like uh, when we when I came back from um, the uh, my trip, literally I thought like, okay, like I have my, my two friends, they know how to build stuff. We're just going to build a nice sort of GUI, a nice front end, and connect into this bus data and sell bus tickets, and we're going to be like make a lot of money in like six months. Um, we, we didn't think about like a startup or scaling, but we were like this could be a business, right? We could just kind of sell tickets and and make some money because I had sort of witnessed the pain sort of firsthand uh, when I was on my on my trip. Um, so I'm, I'm doing a really long answer, so we don't have like we only have one mic, so um, we don't have like tell me the next part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but basically, um, yeah, so the, the first part of the model was uh, was just to kind of put all the schedules online. So I came back uh, from my trip, and uh, back then I, w- I wore cargo pants. Who's worn cargo pants here before? They're horrible. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. So uh, they, like, they had pockets in them, and my pockets were literally full of schedules, uh, bus schedules, like printed bus schedules in my pockets. And, uh, and literally we just, like, typed them in. I was like the typing monkey. I would just like t- I had no other relevant skills. So I would just like type the schedules in the computer, and they would like put it on the web, put it online, and then people would just like kind of access the schedules with search. Uh, and like lo and behold, like a couple of weeks later, we had like tens of thousands of people like searching for these schedules that were like in my cargo pant pocket, which is like sounds pretty crazy, but that was like almost exactly what happened at the beginning. Uh, and then tens of thousands of people would come. And then we were like, "Wow, like that's that's a lot of people." Like, but we had nothing to sell, right? Um, so we had to kind of establish these commercial partnerships with all these bus companies, um, and that was sort of a two-year detour. So none of us had sort of foreseen that we would have to do that. We would just figure, like, let's just plug in a database, and then, like, like in the airline industry, there's like a database you connect into it, and they give you money depending on how many kind of seats you sell. So that didn't not exist in the bus industry, but we didn't know that that didn't exist, Uh, so we ended up starting to replicate it. And uh, so one by one, we would approach bus companies, and we would like, "Hey, if we fill your seats, would you give us some money in return?" And they always said, "Sort of no." You know, like, "Why would we want to work with a startup like you?" Uh, So it took us like about a year and a half to sign our first one. Um, It was really kind of a painful process. So, so the lesson there is, it's like sometimes you have a great idea, you have the talent, you have the UI in mind, you have the product sort of half built out. Whew, that's a long story. Okay, I'll keep that for later. But we can come back to that one. Uh, but basically, I think we showed value and very persistent over time. Uh, so, but after that, today we're up to I think we're up to fourteen hundred. Uh, so the first one took a year and a half, and today we like we can sign many a week, right? Uh, so and that was like two three years ago. So. You know, in three years, we've scaled from, like, 1 to 1,400. And we had a team. We hired a team of people to help us, right? And they knew you had to speak different languages. And they were, like, business development people and partnerships people. And they would go to, like, Turkey and go to Brazil and go to Russia and go to wherever and meet with the bus companies and sign partnerships with them. Um, So sometimes to build a business, not just a product, uh, you sort of need commercial negotiation and partnerships and all of that behind it. It's not just like building a great product. Sometimes that works, but like sometimes there's other dimensions of the business that you need to build out. And we had to build out this whole part of the business, which we didn't know, knew nothing about. And just so we were clear, like I had never worked in the bus industry before. I had like zero relevant experience. My two co-founders either, none of us thought that we'd be one day working in the bus industry. Like, It's not like you're in kindergarten, and you're like, oh, one day I want to grow up to work in the bus industry. Uh, but Essentially, that was like a great opportunity to help travelers. That's sort of how we came up with that business model. Um, and maybe one thing I'll add is, sort of, once we sort of put those schedules that were in my cargo pocket on the website, um, people would just come, and we were like, "What do we do with this traffic?" You know, like, do we put ads? So back then, you could just like put like Google ads, and that would take like an hour, and you like have revenue. But you would need so much traffic to generate even like hundred dollars. We like, it was like like millions of views, and we were like to get like hundred dollars. And you're we like, oh, we're never gonna—that's never gonna work. Um, so what we ended up doing, which was sort of a, one of our first um, clever or not so clever hacks, uh, we ended up basically putting a buy button. So you could essentially click on buy, and nothing would—like you would click on it, and nothing would happen. It was basically just like kind of a little overlay that says thank you. Um, <laughs> so that was that was. It, so it sounds really stupid, uh, but. The, initially, when we were looking at this traffic, we were like, "Who are these people?" And it's like, it can't be just like our friends because we like would post about it. They we're doing something on Facebook, and we, we thought it was just like our friends, right? Our friends are just like coming on and searching for stuff, but it wasn't. Like they were p- coming from all these different countries. Um, so we put this bu- this buy button, and then we could measure which percentage of the people would actually buy something if it was available. Uh, so, for example, if you have like ten thousand people come and like ten percent are clicking on the buy, you're like the other ninety are sort of like casual tourists on your page, but they're not really ready to buy. Um, so what that then happened is that that gave us data around sort of conversion rates and then also data around how many people were actually willing to buy. And we used that data to go convince, so you were asking like who who actually agreed to sort of to be par- your first partner. We actually printed the data from Google Analytics and we just brought it to them and said, would you like to sell this many tickets per week? Um, like we, we can tomorrow, like if you give us this right to sort of resell your tickets, we can bring you this much, uh, not only traffic, but actual sales volume. And why do I know that? Because we put this little book button and people would just say this thank you, so we could actually measure. And that sort of helped to have a conversation around numbers rather than a conversation about like, well, who are you guys? And like, what are you doing? So we can actually show that we're actually willing to help them and sort of drive business.
1: Okay, so if we go back to partnership, which is really important in your case, was was there a country that was more challenging than the other uh, to launch, or maybe to to build new partnership there?
0: Yeah, so they were all pretty challenging, but actually, actually, like locally here in Quebec was probably the hardest. Uh, i say like Canada was the hardest. Um, so we started when I put the schedules online. We actually put the schedules of my trip. So it was just like just the cities I had been to. So it's not really strategic. We didn't have like a master business plan. It was just like let's put those schedules online as fast as possible, um, and then. Um, so, we get a lot of traffic from Latin America. But like, my co founders and I are like, I think we need to go there to talk to the bus companies, right? And we were like, oh, that's far. Um, so, like, why don't we just start here in, in Quebec and Canada? Uh, but the more we sort of learned about the bus industry, the more we realized it wasn't the same everywhere in the world. So, in Quebec and Canada, it's much more consolidated. So, you have fewer players. For example, a Greyhound. Is in the U.S. It's in Canada. It has like thousands of routes, so it's like a big player. Uh, Whereas in Latin America, you have a lot of fragmented, sort of smaller players, and it's actually easier for to kind of for them to give you a chance, right? They're looking for new things. They're also competitive on a particular route. So, for example, if you go to Brazil, you might have like ten operators on one particular route. So we want to go from like Rio to Sao Paulo, like the ten are competing. So they're looking for like an edge. They're looking for something to sort of sell more tickets. So they're more willing to talk to us. Uh, whereas here in Quebec it was more like, and Canada it was more like, okay, uh, maybe over time, you know, kind of let's keep talking. But they weren't willing immediately to sort of uh, deal with us. So I think the lesson there is, if you can find sort of fragmented market uh, where you have a bigger chance of like one of the players saying yes, that's probably a great place to start, rather than in a market where you only have like one big player and you're like, I just hope. Like um, Apple, you know, lets me put this uh, like thing on their phone, right? Or this hardware that I built. And that maybe never will happen, or it'll take too long. Uh, So that's sort of how we thought about the expansion. We started here locally. uh, After that, we sort of built a team of. At some point, it was almost like ten people that would just travel and be in market everywhere in the world, and they would come back with deals sort of every every month. Uh, So that's how we built out the partnerships uh, team. And just in case you're not familiar, sort of how you think about that, it's. So we're a B2B to C company. So on one side, we have bus companies, which is like B2B. And on the other side, we have B2C with like travelers, right? So pretty pretty easy to understand. But if you don't have like product to sell on the B2B side, you can't build the B2C app, right? Fair enough. So like a comparison would be like Spotify. Like you could build like the greatest music player of all time. um, But if you don't have music to play in it, Like the product doesn't make sense, right? So we had to kind of the the equivalence of like signing all these deals with all these music labels, essentially the bus companies. So they was given access to those bus tickets, which we could then after that resell. So these two sided marketplaces are actually pretty tricky. So if you try to eventually build an app that is a two sided marketplace, I, I think the lesson is to realize that you are in that sort of dynamic and you actually have to have success on both sides. And most of the time, it's not like you have like a ton of success on one side and then start the other one. It's more like, like step by step on both sides. Does that make sense? Okay.
1: So you are present in 75 countries. So to grow at such a scale, you need some money. Uh, you recently raised uh, $14 million Canadian dollars. Um, maybe you can walk us through the process to raise those, those funds and uh, also explain to us if you have new obligation uh, that are coming with those funds or maybe what you, what are you going going to do with uh, this money uh, for Busbud?
0: Yeah, um, that's a good question. So obligations. Um, yeah. So the this is the third round that we raised. So every every round is a little bit different, but there's some general principles um, and like. The first thing to start from the like, if you want to start from the beginning, is like not every product or not every business is like a VC backable business, and more and more like people think, okay, if I raise money, then I'm successful, uh, which is definitely not the case, right? Like you can have a very successful business where you're either you're profitable and you're sort of funding from operations. Or you're funding with like a little bit of angel money, or you're funding from a life, like it's more like a lifestyle business where it doesn't matter if you're making a ton of money, but you're happy and you're productive and you're like growing your craft. Uh, in our case, it was definitely a VC uh, type business in the sense that we needed a lot of money to get the supply that I just talked about two seconds ago, and without that supply, you just couldn't compete in, the, in this field, right? So. Uh, especially with the idea that we have was to create sort of this worldwide bus station. So not just like in one country but really worldwide. So we would need to send people in all these countries. So like I couldn't afford to sort of pay for them myself sort of hey, go on this trip to Russia and ho- I hope you sign something. Uh, so we needed to sort of go to investors uh, and have them agree to kind of give us some money. And the way it works is that you, so you present the business plan and they eva- you probably know this, some of this stuff, but like, they evaluate on three or four things, like the quality of the team, that's like the most important thing. Like, is, Are these entrepreneurs like, really cool and, and really smart and have a good idea? Uh, the second one is the size of the market. So for us, that was like huge. Like It was se- 7 billion uh, passenger tickets per year. So it's like twice the size of air just to give you a sense. Uh, So there's like a huge, huge market there that was sort of untapped and not much competition. Uh, And then there's the traction, right? Like, what have you guys built? Like, what is the product? Like, is it, you know, does it have volume or does that kind of, does it have momentum? Uh, So they evaluate sort of those things uh, and then they give you money, right? And then sort of you deposit the check in your account and you're like, holy shit, like, I have a 500k check on me. Like, I hope I don't lose it. You know, and you're like walking to the bank, looking over your shoulder, and like, you know. uh, So that was pretty much our first, like, our first uh, raise. We were like, let's deposit this quick, and you're like, okay, I'll watch over, like, while you deposit it. <laughs> um, and then we realized we could do it with wires, which like made everything super, super easy the next time. Uh, but yeah, so in exchange for that, like, you know, the investors, it's not like, oh, do whatever, and I hope you succeed. It's more like. Hey, like we're going to be a partner in your business from now on, right? Uh, so they could come on your, um, you know, on your board. Uh, so you have a start having board meetings, uh, which is kind of a, a thing that you have to do as a company when you have kind of VC money. Typically, it's quarterly, so you have four per year, and you have like kind of investors on your board. You can bring other people on your board as well. So that's like the first thing. So you sort of commit to sort of better governance, like before. Like with my co founders, we just like open beers and chips and, like, like, oh, how did we do this last quarter? And not so good. Okay, doesn't matter. Let's just keep doing whatever. You know? uh, but then, you know, when you have sort of investors, they're like, well, how, how are you thinking about the market and where's the product? And they ask you sort of all these questions. And you're sort of working for them and with them together because they're sort of your partners. So they actually know a lot of stuff, and they've funded all sorts of different businesses like yours before, uh, which is amazing because uh, they can teach you things, right? And there's that's actually a way of learning. Uh, so sometimes, like when you're with, like three guys in an apartment, like like you're not learning from many people, um, and. In our particular case, like we actually did not connect a lot with the startup ecosystem at the beginning. I didn't even know there was an ecosystem. I didn't even know the word ecosystem. It was like one of those crazy words that I like vuvuzela. That you're like, what is that? You know? Uh, and it was like ecosystem. There's an ecosystem here. Um, and then like, basically, we one day we got out of our office, our literally like our home office, and uh, I went to this conference and I met this investor and he was just like, I'm an investor. I was like, like I don't understand. Like, what do you do? Like, the rest of the like in the day. Like, what do you do? And he's like. And he's like, I'm, I look for startups like you, and, and then he sort of explained to me sort of what he did, uh, and this was a David No from Inovia. I don't know if any of you guys know him. So and he asked us like what we were gonna do uh, in the next sort of three to six months, and we were like, well, just like keep building our thing, right? And like eventually, sort of maybe add more countries or add more partnerships or whatever, and maybe at some point, like in one year, we would raise like a hundred K. And he's like a hundred K, and I was like. In my mind, I was like, maybe, maybe I had too big of a number. I should have said like 50K or something. And, and then he's just like, you should do like 500K. And I was like, 500K? Like, I, in my mind, I was like, I couldn't even compute like what you could buy with 500K. Um, so that's how like, how like rookie kind of we were when we were starting to raise uh, and then the next thing you know the next day I had a lunch with him and some of his partners and like a couple of weeks later we had like a million dollars sort of raised. Uh, so that was sort of the, f- the story of the first raise and since then they've been like really amazing partners for us in the last like five or six years they've connected us with sort of all sorts of people that helped the- our business grow faster so it's not just like taking money it's also really kind of partnering with someone. And it's not like like, I wouldn't say like it's a marriage, but it's like quasi-marriage in the sense that you know you'll you'll get new investors, um, and and you know and over time you'll still sort of your cap table, your investor base will grow, but every investor uh, is still expecting some kind of a return on their money for their investment, right? So you sort of. Keep them in, in sort of in your in your company for for many many years. So the lesson there is just to kind of choose people that you really really like and that you want to build a business with, and they're sort of like a quasi co-founder outside of the business. Uh, that you sort of feel, should feel free to sort of talk to and, and, uh, you know, and, and have kind of really kind of interesting strategic conversations with. But they're not running the business. So they're not sort of, you don't like create a desk for them and say, like, I'll see you tomorrow. Like they won't come, right? So that's not the role of a VC. Uh, but we had, ended up having a kind of good relationship with many kind of different VCs that really helped us uh, over the time.
1: So with this money, what are you going to do like in the year to come or in the five years to come? What is your, your vision,
0: uh, to, to, not to spend, but to build on with this money? Yeah, I forgot that was your question. (laughs) Yeah, so what are we going to do with the $14 I don't know. Uh, So we had a couple things that we want to do. So first of all is we want to grow the team. Uh, So right now, we're 35. And with this additional capital, we can grow to 70. So we're hiring in all sorts of positions. Uh, Mostly technical right now, because we have so many different product ideas uh, that we want to build out. Uh, Finally, because it took a lot of time to get all the supply and to get the product up and running. But now we really just want to build. So I think that's sort of the most exciting thing. And uh, so we just hired a VP of engineering, uh, Doug, so he's right here. So. (laughs) So. Doug uh, is uh, is uh, lives in Victoria across across Canada essentially, uh, so on the other on the other ocean side, um, and uh, he this is one of his first days in Montreal. So I thought he would uh, he would like to meet some of you guys, right, and uh, connect with the Montreal ecosystem. Uh, I've been telling him that we have an ecosystem here and it's awesome, and there's like all these meetups, um, so we we can basically get to hire people like Doug and um, and just to give you a bit of a background, I won't, I won't sort of tell all of your story, but uh, Doug was working in a, in a startup called Varsity Tutors, uh, where he was a CTO for almost a decade. Um, so he scaled the team of engineers over there. And that's exa- exactly what we want to do here. We want to kind of st- scale our team of engineers. Of course, we're hiring in other positions as well, marketing, partnerships, all of that. Um, so I think hiring is one of them. But also, you know, the other thing is that we want to kind of grow, right? We want to grow in the markets. So for example, we want to maybe increase our market share in Brazil or in Spain or in places like that. And we need to invest in marketing. Uh, so basically, like, invest in product, invest in marketing. Um, and that's what we're going to do with the money.
1: So you are talking a lot about the ecosystem. Uh, you are a mentor, an active mentor in Montreal in the ecosystem. You have built the open house, a startup open house, and Entrepreneur Anonymous. Maybe you can talk us uh, more about this ecosystem and maybe how it can help you to, to launch your startup or what you are doing uh, within this ecosystem to, to help other aspiring entrepreneurs?
0: Yeah, so the, the conference that I mentioned earlier that I went to, uh, it was near McGill, and it was, like, the first time in two years that we had, like, left our house to do something outside of, like, the neighborhood. And uh, and when I went there, I was like, wow, there's, like, all these, like, entrepreneurs like building different businesses and, like... Like, some people were giving talks on marketing and fundraising and all these things. And I was like, I know none of this, right? And then I realized, like, I should really kind of speak to more entrepreneurs and, like, learn stuff. Uh, And that was sort of the first step. And then the first, first, first kind of project I I did was, like, um, one of my friends was like, we should just do, like, a dinner. You know, like a dinner with, like, a lot of wine. And I was like, that sounds good. Um, So we we did that a couple streets from here. And uh, from there, basically, uh, the first meeting was, like, four people. Um, and I think three or four years later, there's like four or five hundred people in this club that we had started, which is like a dinner club, or like a drinks club. Uh, and essentially, we were meeting other entrepreneurs and only sort of co-founders of different businesses. So t- sometimes you would go to different events and there was like accountants and lawyers. And it was kind of really annoying because I always try to pitch you things. They're, like, nice people, but they're, like, really kind of business-driven. And I just wanted to learn about, like, the marketing and the product and the fundraising and all these different things. Um, So we built this thing called Entrepreneurs Anonymous. Uh, And actually, Antoine was part of it. Noah was part of it. A couple of the guys in the front row were actually part of this. And it ended up being, like, a monthly drinks uh, session at different bars across town. And we would just, like, Share, share the real stuff, right? Like not like, oh, my startup's perfect, everything's like the numbers are through the roof, and like everything's like amazing, but more like, oh shit, like I just lost my VP of sales yesterday. Like, what do I do? Or, do you have like a great accountant? Like my my like finances are like all over the place, right? So we would basically help each other out. So it became a bit of a community or sort of brotherhood and sisterhood, and and just meeting other entrepreneurs. And we realized that between entrepreneurs, we were not competitive. So like in your space, like you want to be competitive with other players. But across entrepreneurship, you're not really competitive, right? Uh, so essentially, like, the cohort, like, you guys are not competitive, right? You can he- help each other out. Um, so, and you should do. You should do that. And you'll learn a lot more, probably. Uh, then than if you give out a little bit, you get a lot back. So that's exactly what happened in this, in this network. And through that, I ended up doing a couple of more projects with the community. Uh, one was called uh, Startup Open House. So, Charlotte in the back, raise your hand. Yeehaw. So Charlotte is awesome. So she uh, runs Startup Open House. Who knows what Startup Open House is? Anyone been to Startup Open House? A couple of you guys? Cool, so it's once a year, and it's basically you can visit any startups you want in one night, between 4 and 7 p.m. And um, I think, how many startups did we have last year? Like across Canada? 500. So you can visit like 500 startups. Uh, you know, and there's a certain number in Montreal. I think there was Toronto, Vancouver, Ottawa, other cities. And basically you can. If you're interested in working for any of these companies, and I say that because you guys might be looking for jobs at some point, or, or jobs or like, working at different startups, they opened their doors. You could just meet with them. And the reason we did that is because all the other alternatives really sucked. Like, if you wanted to go, go to like, a job fair or a career fair, it was like, a horrible experience. You had like, name tags. Name tags suck. Uh, and then you had like, all these people who were like, not the actual people running the company. They're like, oh, I'm the HR person. And like, the HR person would, like, oh, let me connect you with the CTO. Where's the CTO? Oh, he's not here. Right. So it was just like this really kind of bad experience. So I was like, why don't you just like let people go to our office whenever they want, right? So I just called a bunch of friends of mine who were uh, CEOs of different companies, and they were like, yeah, you want to like send people to my office? Like, oh, I'm cool with that. Uh, so it grew from there, and now we're doing it in different cities. I think it was even in Europe. Uh, for, and this year it might be like in, in London and Dublin and all sorts of other places. Uh, so it became a little bit of a thing across Canada. Uh, and the, the goal there was just to kind of help people, like you guys, and help talent connect with startups. Uh, because back then, we were like, we had rented this, this office space, which was just next door, and uh, we were like, just come see your space. Like, Just meet us. Talk to us. Like, That's the best way of knowing if you have a good fit with someone, is just having a conversation. Uh, so that was the next project there, and uh, an offshoot of that uh, was also, was another project called La Tournée des Entrepreneurs, uh, so there's no name in English, but it's sort of like an entrepreneurship tour across Quebec. So I co-founded that with, uh, with Noah, who's right there. Who's your hand? (laughs) So, Noah's awesome. Uh, So, if you don't know Noah, you should. He's like one of the the guys to know in Montreal. And we were were like, at some point, we were like, wow, there's like all this stuff happening in Montreal now. There was Entrepreneurs Anonymous, there was Notman House, there was all these different projects that were starting to emerge. Uh, And we were meeting sometimes people from other regions in Quebec, and they were like, we have none of this, or we have a fraction of this in our city. Um, So, we thought about just doing like this road trip thing, right? And where we would essentially go to different cities and just it was like me, Noah, a couple of friends. You know, Antoine was uh, sitting was right there. He came to many of them. And we were just like, let's go meet other entrepreneurs in other cities and, and just basically talk about the real things, right? And uh, we started doing little events, little dinners. And next thing you know, some of these events had like 100, 200 people uh, show up. And it was like local entrepreneurs in different places. So we went from like the east coast of Quebec, north, south, west. Um, so it was really a lot of fun. And uh, through all of these sort of two or three different things in the ecosystem, um, I got to to meet a lot of other entrepreneurs in Montreal who were, like, amazing, right? And I had so much respect for what they were doing, and they they basically ended up teaching me everything I knew, right? So I I learned maybe, like, 10% of what I knew in Buspod, but, like, 90% was just, like, having conversations with the people that I just sort of pointed before uh, because they were going through similar things. They were, like, raising rounds or firing people or hiring people or you know, doing a pivot, you know, on the product. Um, so all of what I learned was coming from 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 that. So for me, it was, like, it was a really a good win-win trade. I, like, I spent a little time organizing things and helping out with different events, like these events, but also other events, and mentoring and helping, and sort of um, sharing what I had learned, sort of limited stuff that I had learned, and exchange, like, I would meet all these amazing people. Uh, so that's sort of how my, sort of, Love for the ecosystem started, and still today, like I love just kind of talking to people and meeting people and sharing. Even sort of what you guys are going through, like I'm sure you guys are going through stuff that I've never been through, and I'm like I could learn a ton from it. So that's why I sort of love to sort of participate, I guess, in the ecosystem.
1: So you're meeting a lot of entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneur. Uh, You're also an investor. So what do you look for when you invest in a company? Do you look more for the products or for the team or maybe something else?
0: Yeah, so I do a little bit of angel investing. Uh, I've done in the past maybe 20 different investments uh, over the past like maybe five years, Um, and really that's an offshoot of the thing I just mentioned before. I was like always sort of in the ecosystem, meeting other entrepreneurs, which I like highly recommend you do. It's like not time wasted, but sometimes like you would meet like that one person, right, like guy or girl who was like, they're so passionate about what they're doing. Like holy smokes, like I can't believe they're just how excited they are plus like like they're smart they have this plan and they know something they have this like this insight about a market and th- that's gonna like change that market completely and like you get to meet people like this in the like in the ecosystem like maybe like once every once every like 20 or 50 people that you meet you follow this person uh, and like I fell in a couple of these people pretty early and it was just like this guy's like nothing I've ever seen before so I wrote a little check into the company that Became larger, check you know, In some cases, uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't recommend everyone, anyone doing this. It's sort of a very, very risky proposition to sort of invest in startups. It's pretty much like the riskiest asset class that you can that you can invest in. Uh, but for me, it was more like a way of sort of supporting other entrepreneurs that I thought were amazing um, that I met in the ecosystem, and I was just like. Sometimes I was just, like mentoring and helping and advising, and I was just like, oh, I wish I could be like an investor and get a bit of upside on this. Um, and ended up investing in a couple of different businesses. But it could be like tonight, like it could be someone tonight that was like, this person has like got their stuff together and knows something about like home furnishings that's going to like change the world, right? Um, and you sort of want to be part of that. And also, what's interesting is you get to learn a lot from the entrepreneur. Uh, so a lot of the companies uh, I've invested in. Have come through sort of bus bud, you know, through our project. And like, for example, we might be looking for uh, a solution for fraud detection, right? Because we do payments in all these different countries. And then you're like looking at like five or six solutions, and you're like, that's a really, really good solution. Like these guys in, you know, Sherbrooke or these guys in Israel or whatever, wherever they are, right? And you're like, Sometimes th- these are more mature companies that have like hundreds of people, but sometimes they're like five people. Like, they could be like you guys, right? Um, and you're like, well, may- are you raising at some point? And essentially you just kind of keep the conversation going. And at one point they're like, yeah, we're doing a round and you know, maybe you invest a little bit of money in it. And But it really it's not for... Um, Profit purpose, it's really for sort of learning, I guess, and learning uh, different things about different spaces and different lessons uh, that you can get from seeing other people sort of operate different uh, markets. So for me, it's been more like a hobby, I guess, than uh, than a full-time thing. Uh, but it's really been really sort of interesting to connect with additional in- uh, entrepreneurs that are uh, that are kind of doing cool things.
1: So you're also a traveler and a creative creator, a maker. Um, how do you manage to, to channel your creativity and your curiosity while at the same time running a 40 employees business, uh, doing mentoring and investment?
0: How do you find time? Yeah, so the, the first couple of years of Busbud, I had a little bit more time because we were small and there was a lot, a lot, a lot, not a lot of team members. Um, so I could like, mentor more and travel more and all that. I guess the last two or three years, I've been really, really kind of laser focused on the business uh, and spending like 95% or 97% of my time really kind of at BusBud, a little bit of time sort of on other things, um, just to kind of continue to help out on certain projects. Uh, But it is sort of sometimes it's, it's like something you don't realize that when you start out, you have all this flexibility and all this liberty and all this freedom to just sort of do what you want, manage your schedule in the way you want. But over time, like especially if your idea is successful, It's like it becomes almost like a job, right? Uh, So this kind of cool little side project that we're working on in my apartment then it becomes like a, a job, and you have responsibilities to sort of your board and your team members, like. For example, like if if Doug joins the company uh, this week, right? Like he, like he has, and uh, like I don't know, like I'm out fishing for the whole week, or I'm like you know doing other stuff elsewhere. He's like, hey, like, like I like I sort of want you on my team here. That's why I joined the company, right? So there's this sort of bond that gets created with everyone that you bring into the project. Um, that you know that you want to be helpful to them, and they will, they rely on you for different things. Uh, so... Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, like he probably is closer to actually fishing opportunities in Victoria than I will ever be here in Montreal. <laughs> but uh, no, I think the idea is that um, you know there's there's a trust layer that gets created uh, between the people that you sort of, you welcome within your project, and you don't want to disappoint anyone. And I wouldn't want to disappoint Doug. I don't want to disappoint our investors. So at some point, you really kind of have to focus on your thing. Uh, But at the same time, you're a human. You're a human being, right? And you have passions and you're curious and you want to do different things. And uh, sometimes, you know, it's okay to kind of, um, you know, most of the the time, it's like on a weekend, I might, like, I might, you know, uh, go out. Like, for example, like we had a a dinner this week with Antoine where, you know, he was telling me about his business and how his business is going and what he's learning. And for me, like, that's that's the best stuff, right? Like having time to do that Catch up with friends, learn about other entrepreneurs and what they're doing, uh, and also sort of obviously the basics like you know stay like try to stay in shape, see your family, all of that. Like I was horrible at doing that for a while because I was sort of so invested in this project and doing things for the ecosystem that you sort of forget to do the basics. But I think one of the main things that I've learned over time is just creating this sort of balance in your life uh, that you don't feel like you know like this is my like the last year I can do this. Uh, but like to, to be, put yourself in a personal position where you're like you can do this for 20 years, you can do this forever because this is like a sustainable pace of going. Uh, so I think that's one of the things I've learned probably in the last year or two.
1: Thanks for listening to the Wagon Live. Tune in next week for another episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe by hitting the subscribe button.